on today's episode of the Blue Bloods. It's October, football is in full swing, and we have a loaded show. Uh, we've got pick six, upset of the week, storylines, and we'll cap it off with Brandon's Gambling Corner. Uh, so let's go ahead and get it started. slate of games is actually not too bad um a couple of good games in here uh we're gonna go ahead and kick it off with a friday night matchup 7 p.m we have number 18 ucf visiting cincinnati um cincinnati's four-point dog in this one yeah uh ucf continues their fight for the conference championship in the aac they've won it the past two years i believe uh they ha- already have a loss to Pitt this year by one point on the road and then you also have a team in Cincinnati who's looking to make a statement in this conference. Outside of the Ohio State game, they've looked pretty good. They have their three and one, same record as UCF, and has and has a chance to make a big statement. And I think this matchup will go a long way in determining who takes this conference this year. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think that UCF wins this one, uh, even on the road in Cincinnati but I think that this is actually going to be a challenge for them or like the biggest challenge that they face, you know, I guess outside of um, out of conference opponents. So as far as the AAC is con- uh, concerned, I think that this Cincinnati team is going to give UCF the most problems. Um, and this is a team that we were both really high on uh, from the start of the season. I mean, when they, when they faced Ohio state, I think we both uh, chose them to cover the spread. They, uh, they didn't end up doing that. But, I mean, we were, we were high on this team, and they've performed pretty well. I mean, there's three and one coming into this one. Yeah, they, they, they've performed really well outside of that game. And I don't think that was uh, – that, that wasn't a reflection of, of this team being a bad team. I think this was more of a reflection of Ohio State just being an overall better team, which I think we both agreed that Ohio State was, was the better team by a wide margin. I was a little surprised that they got beat the way they did, but, you know, it's tough to beat. I mean, if you compare recruits across both teams, Ohio State has just an outrageous number of high-rated recruits. But back to this matchup, I think the key matchup in this game is Cincinnati's defense versus the uh, UCF offense. The Cincinnati defense has played really well this year, only allowing about 20 points a game and holding opponents to under 300 yards per game. That's crazy considering, you know, how many yards and points they go up against Ohio State. So against similar competition, Cincinnati's defense has been playing spectacular. While you have the UCF offense that is always explosive, as we've seen in previous years, averaging almost 50 points a game and putting up almost 600 yards per game. That's this is going to be the matchup that decides this game, in my opinion. And what if, if Cincinnati's defense wins, Cincinnati will take the game. If UCF's offense wins this matchup, they'll take the game. And personally, I think Cincinnati pulls this one out at home and hands UCF their second loss of the year. I mean, that's that's insane. Uh, that's an insane take by Zach. Uh, let's go ahead and bookmark that one because UCF, <laughs> there's no way they – they, come on. I mean, they've been undefeated. For well, I guess they lost to LSU in the bowl game last year, but they've been undefeated in the regular season for two years. Uh, besides this, lost uh, a pretty good Pitt team, a uh, Pitt team that almost upset Penn State earlier this season. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think that Dylan Gabriel comes into this one. Uh, he's the much better quarterback between him and Desmond Ritter. Uh, and let's let's not forget about UCF's defense. I mean, they're they're allowing fewer points per game than Cincinnati's defense is. You know, they may be allowing a few more yards uh, per game, but uh, this is a pretty strong UCF defense that we see as well. I, I think that's inflated, to be completely honest with you. Uh, 
you know, they played a Florida A&M team that didn't score. Florida Not surprising. Atlanta. I don't. Oh, they did play yeah. Florida A&M. No, yeah, they played Florida A&M first, beat them sixty-two to nothing. Pretty I don't good. think anyone thought Florida A&M was a good team. You got to watch out and, for the Yeah, right, <laughs> right. And then you had Florida Atlantic, which has been just a dumpster fire this year. And then you had a Stanford team come in with a with a hurt quarterback in his first game back and a Stanford offense that has really struggled this year. And their only real test was against Pittsburgh, which Pittsburgh won that game. And then they played a UConn team that has just been uh, trashed as well. Yeah, that's, that's a rivalry uh, game, though. Yeah, yeah. It's a rivalry conflict. game, but <laughs> the civil conflict, guys. Um, but I think their stats are inflated on defense. I think this is a this is an average defense at best. And I think Desmond Ritter – He's had an up-and-down year. I mean, he's thrown for over 800 yards, eight touchdowns, only three interceptions. He has to play to the level or better than Dylan Gabriel for UCF. And I think Cincinnati, with this game being at home, is going to come out and make a statement. And people forget UCF is going to get everybody's best shot in this conference, especially because they smell blood in the water after already seeing UCF get beat. UCF's going to have their hands full this year, and I think Cincinnati has enough talent to knock them off in a close game. Yeah, but to use your own logic against you, I guess. I mean, you're the analytics guy, so maybe you know better than I do. But <laughs> but but who has Cincinnati played besides Ohio State? I mean, they played UCLA. We've seen UCLA play. I mean, they're not good. I mean, they um, put up – what is UCLA averaging per game? I mean, they put up 67. Yeah, but a that was two a weeks time ago? thing. That wasn't like they're doing that week in and week out. I, I I agree with that. I mean, they're not doing it week in and week out, but I still think, you know, coming in, the the perception is this is a Pac-12 team coming to beat up on an AAC team, and they played, a, I would say, a fairly good game. I mean, there was, there was a lot more hype for UCLA coming into the season than there is now. So, yeah, but it's the same I, you know, and honestly, if this game was in South, was in Central Florida, you know, in Orlando, Camping yeah. World Stadium, the yeah, if it was UCF, <laughs> if it was if it was in Camping World Stadium, my pick might be flipped because I'm very. This game's going to be very tight, but I think the home field advantage and Cincinnati's extreme motivation to prove that UCF isn't the king of this conference anymore is going to prevail. And people forget Desmond Ritter was the AAC newcomer of the year last year. I'm, I think this could be a huge breakout game for him. And I think the Cincinnati team makes enough plays to win. Yeah. I mean, to be totally honest with you, I don't even think Desmond Ritter is the best player on this offense. Uh, I mean, Michael Warren, we see him coming to this game with 262 yards rushing on 61 carries with four touchdowns. I mean, those are pretty good numbers, especially coming from a Cincinnati you know, running back. <laughs> you can take shots at Cincinnati like that. I'm not. Man. I like um, Cincinnati. I like Luke Fickle, but I don't see a way that they even cover the spread. I mean, it's a four-point spread. I think UCF blows them out of the water. Blows them out of the water, really? At least covers the spread. I mean, at least at least okay, a touchdown. Maybe, okay, okay, okay. So the spread's four. If they beat them by seven, that's blowing them out of the water? No, I mean, but okay, I think they pulled okay, okay. out of the water. You need to, you need to understand my brain, Zach. I thought we, I thought we were better friends than this. <laughs> Man, you can't say blow them out of the water. You got to like win by single digits. Blowing them out of the water is seventeen or more at minimum, and I, mean, I would I, say twenty-one or more. Honestly, I think they can win this game by twenty. There's no way this okay. game. It, this you, if UCF wins, it'll be less. It'll be less than fourteen on the record. That's uh, on the record. on the record. You guys, hey, all these episodes are on Apple Podcasts, guys, and Spotify and all these places. You can pull these records. And, you know, I think Cincinnati comes out with a close win. I think UCF is vulnerable this year. I think that loss did something to the psyche of the other teams in the conference. And people are going to be gunning for UCF. And I don't think this is their last close game that they might lose. I mean, they still still have Memphis in this conference. Tulane still looks really good. So UCF isn't out of the clear, and I, I think the loss at Pitt makes a big difference in this year. All right. Now let's go ahead and move on before Zach says anything else that's just absurd. Um, <laughs> so with our next matchup, we have number 14, Iowa, visiting number 19, Michigan. Uh, Michigan actually comes into this one as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. And what was it? And this is an 11 a.m. game on Saturday. 
But what was it that you said about uh, home field advantage is at least a three point. Uh, what is it? You said you said it's like a three point uh, direction of the spread for the home team. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, maybe that's what we're seeing here. I don't know how Michigan's a favorite in this game, uh, especially with the way that we saw them perform against. Them. I mean, it's the big house, man. I mean, that's that's it's, home it's, field advantage. I mean, if there's anyone that has home field advantage. I mean, because I, know, I mean, even though it's 11 a.m. kickoff, they always have 11 a.m. kickoffs. They've only had what one night game in like the previous like 10 years well, yeah, in Michigan. They, they, I mean, they just installed lights. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like they did it a few years ago when they had uh, oh, what was his name? Who's on the cover of uh? Instead of away the last yesterday. shoelaces. Yeah, I forgot his name. He wore like ninety eight for for some reason as a quarterback for one game. It was it was ridiculous. But anyway, guys, that's that's a whole tangent. But yeah, and I actually have Michigan pulling this game out since the game is at the big house. And also at Fly Guys the quarterback I was talking about was Denard Robinson. He's on the cover of Instead of A fourteen, I believe. And you know, shout out to him. I guess he was a pretty good quarterback. But yeah. I think Michigan has a lot of motivation coming into this game to show that this game against Wisconsin was a fluke. And I've really st- – I don't think Michigan's a bad team, guys. I mean, we were hard on them a few episodes ago when we recapped their loss to Wisconsin. But they have to – if they have to win this game to stay in the Big Ten race and show that they are focused and dedicated to this season, and I think they will – I don't think I was a bad team. I think this game is going to be extremely close, of an extremely competitive game. But just like with the Cincinnati UCF game, I think home field advantage matters in this game, especially at this point of the season. And you have to see what team's coming in with what motivation each week. And I think Michigan has more motivation coming in this game than Iowa. And, you know, if, it, if this game was in Iowa with the Children's Hospital or anything, I'm picking Iowa by a zillion. But – since it's at the big house and no one can wave to those to the kids, I think Michigan takes this one. Yeah, I, I mean, I've got Iowa picking this one. I think Nate Stanley's a much better quarterback than Shea Patterson. Um, I mean, the stats show that you know they show that he's a better quarterback overall. Um, but but the main thing is that I think Iowa's defense is much better than Michigan's defense. Uh, Iowa's defense comes in this matchup, uh, allowing fewer than nine points a game. Uh, 250 yards uh, total offense allowed against them every single game. I mean, those are great numbers, especially going to week six. Um, going to week six of college football. I mean, that's. I mean, things are really starting to shape out. You can truly understand what a team's made of at this point. And for this defense to still be allowing those kind, of, still be allowing those kind of numbers. I mean, that's. I mean, that's crazy. I, I'm not going to argue with that. I think Alabama's defense has been spectacular and. Even though I have Michigan winning, I think Iowa has a real chance to assert themselves in the Big Ten. A win here would move them to five and zero, two and zero in conference, and put them right up there with Wisconsin and Ohio State in the race to win the Big Ten. And I, I, I think that's a huge, a huge thing for Iowa because they always seem to be middle of the pack in the Big Ten. And they seem to beat one or two big teams a year, but they never make it all the way. And that's kind of disappointing. But I think a big factor in this game is will Michigan's offense actually show up? They seem to sleepwalk through, you know, most big games. But they have to show up here. Because if their offense doesn't show up, I don't think their defense is going to be able to hold down this Iowa offense the whole game. Right, and I want to go ahead and touch on uh, something that you just mentioned uh, about Michigan having to win this game to remain in the Big Ten hunt uh, you know, for the championship this year. And, I mean, you couldn't be more right about that. I mean, looking ahead in their schedule, they've got Iowa this week. In two weeks, they have Penn State at Penn State. So at Happy Valley, I mean, that's not going to be an easy game to win by any means. Uh, the following week, they have Notre Dame at home. Uh, Michigan State two weeks after that, and then in rivalry week they have Ohio State. Uh, they they luckily get to play that game at, in the Big House, but I mean this isn't an easy schedule for them at all. I mean they've already dropped a game to Wisconsin this year. I mean this could be a team that ends up going uh, going seven at five. I mean if things don't pan out well for them, if they lose this game, it's not. It, I mean things aren't going to look great for them. Yeah, definitely not. And as you already mentioned, Shea Patterson is going to have to show up and play. 
this Michigan offense and this Michigan team goes as he goes. There's a tough schedule. He needs to figure it out because he was deemed as the missing factor for these Jim Harbaugh teams. And he has not shown up and played. So Shane Patterson has to step up, and I think he will. And I I think Michigan pulls out a close one. All right. Uh, Let's go ahead and move on to our next matchup. Uh, This one's actually college game day this week. We have number seven, Auburn, visiting number 10, uh, Florida, in the Swamp. And Auburn comes in as a three-point favorite in this one. So interesting fact, guys. Florida actually started as a six-point favorite. It's crazy. And the line shifted within 24 or 48 hours to Auburn being a three-point favorite. So that is that, – that's a huge shift. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it's well-deserved for Auburn. I mean, I, th- I believe they're the better team. I think Auburn wins this game. Uh, and I think they win this game pretty easily. I don't understand how the spread is this close. I don't understand how Florida was ever a favorite. I mean, I guess other than the fact that they're playing at the Swamp. I mean, that's a hard environment to play at. But we see Bo Nix. I mean, like I said in the last episode, he's truly forming into a great quarterback. Uh, we're seeing his progression slowly throughout this year. But by the end of the year, I mean, he could be a scary, scary factor on this team. Uh, and I don't even know if he's the best player on their offense. I mean, uh, we see Booby Whitlow coming in with 463 yards on the season so far uh, on just 92 carries. I mean, I didn't even mention that. Seven touchdowns. I mean, this guy's looking like an All-American. Yeah, and uh, I, th- I think everyone's focused on Bo Nix and being a true freshman going into a hostile environment like the Swamp. But I think Kyle Trask for Florida has a bigger target and a bigger challenge on him. You know, Felipe Franks' injury threw him into the fire in the Kentucky game. He's had he's had two and a half games. He had the second half of the Kentucky game. And then he had games against Towson and Tennessee. Not very steep competition. And you have an Auburn defense who their strength is stopping the run and forcing quarterbacks to throw the ball. with. And they have a really good pass rush with Nick Coe, Marlon Davidson, Derrick Brown, and Tyron Truesdale – who is the new starting de- defensive tackle next to Derrick Brown, actually leads the team in sacks. So their weak point on the defensive line actually leads the team in sacks. So in Florida's offensive weakness is running the ball. They do not run the ball very well. So if Auburn shuts down the run, can Kyle Trask make enough plays or have enough time to throw the ball? Because we saw Florida's offensive line against Miami's defensive line. And I think Auburn's is on a di- different level. I mean, Auburn's defensive line is in a different stratosphere than Miami's. Right. I mean, and obviously, uh, you know, Auburn's defense is one of the better uh, defenses in the SEC and maybe even in the country at this point. Uh, I think they have a great defense, and their numbers don't really show it. Uh, you know, they're allowing 17 points a game, you know, whereas – uh, Florida's defense is only allowing eight. I don't understand that at all. I guess it's because, you know, the steepest competition that Florida's faced has been Miami and Kentucky, uh, maybe Tennessee. Uh, I mean, I knew we weren't going to talk about them anymore. But, I mean, we see an Auburn team that's already faced adversity this season. I mean, kickoff weekend, they played Oregon, um, who was number 11 at that point. Uh, they played Texas A&M two weeks ago. And this past weekend, I mean, they, they destroyed Mississippi State. Uh, this is an Auburn team that's already proven themselves against the, what I consider to be a very unproven Florida team. And so, I mean, for that reason, I can't see Auburn, you know, leaving this game with a loss. I mean, they have to win this game. Yeah, I agree. I also have Auburn, not because I'm an Auburn fan. I feel so bad picking Auburn as an Auburn fan sometimes. But trust me, guys, there's a game in two weeks that I'm not picking Auburn coming up. And it'll be on this on the preview episode because it's going to be game day, in my opinion. I think Brandon knows what game I'm talking about. Uh, oh yeah. But uh, my another interesting tidbit about this game is this is Florida's homecoming game. Are you serious? Yes, they scheduled their homecoming game against Auburn. To be and, fair, LSU scheduled their homecoming against Florida. I mean, yeah, I don't. But. But Auburn took it as a sign of disrespect. They, uh, they asked two players today in the press conference of what they had to say, and one player said no comment, and then one player said ask me after the game Saturday. <laughs> not a good sign if you're Florida. <laughs> no, not great. And 
then they're also debuting throwback uniforms for this game too. Auburn? So, no, Florida. Oh, gross. They're, and they're throwing it back to when they beat Auburn, I believe, for like the SEC championship back in the day. And so they're wearing those throwback uniforms. And just my question is, like, if you have the number seven team who has looked really impressive the first few weeks, should you try to work them up like this for a game like – I mean, you wouldn't want to give them any bulletin board material and then you schedule them for homecoming and wear throwback uniforms that have something to do with what they didn't get in the past. And then you have your DBs talking crap to Bo Nick saying that he's he's like the moment's going to be too big for him after seeing this kid beat Oregon and A&M outside of the confines of Jordan Hare. Like, are you, I don't understand why Florida's giving Auburn this much bulletin board material when Auburn, when really and truly, if I was Florida, I'd be terrified to give this Auburn team any more motivation. Listen, if I know anything about Dan Mullen uh, over the past few seasons at Mississippi State, it's that this man loves a good gimmick, and that's, that's exactly what he's doing. I mean, this is the most gimmicky thing I've ever heard of in my entire life. Uh, I don't, I don't know why he's trying to make Auburn angry. I mean, this is a very good Auburn defense that is probably just going to break uh, Trask in half at this point. Uh, so yeah. And Auburn just has to like, by a thousand points, right? Agreed. I mean, and also like an interesting, I guess, underlying factor of this game is both these teams feel disrespected in the, in I guess the national picture and the SEC picture, Every time someone talks about the strength of the SEC, they talk about LSU, Georgia, and Alabama. Both of these teams have been top 10 all year. And they're undefeated. And a team like Auburn has beaten two top 15 teams uh, on the road with a true freshman quarterback. I don't think there's any more motivation that you need for these two teams other than, hey, whoever wins this game, they're going to be out for respect for the national media and – the rest of the SEC, because especially if Auburn wins this game and has three wins over top 15 teams all on the road and a win over a top 10 team, I don't know how you don't start putting them in the conversation as like a strong national championship contender. I mean, at some point you have to, um, you know, they have a strong schedule ahead of them as well. I mean, they've already played a super strong schedule to this point, but it doesn't get a whole lot easier for Auburn. So uh, well, yeah, definitely see how not. things pan out. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think even if Florida wins this, you have to put them in the national championship conversation. I mean, Florida's awful, but uh, if Florida beats the num- like number seven Auburn with the way they've been playing, that's going to set them up because they have what two more games? Like they have LSU and Georgia, and if they beat Auburn, that confidence is going to be sky high, and both those teams should be on upset alert if this Florida if this Florida team pulls out a game like this. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's go ahead and move on to our next matchup. Uh, with our next matchup, we have Cal visiting number 13, Oregon. And Oregon's an 18-point favorite in this one. Uh, this is a 7 p.m. game on Saturday. Uh, I have Oregon winning this one uh, for obvious reasons. I mean, Cal is 4-1 and one coming to this game. But, I mean, Cal lost to Arizona State last week. Yeah, well, also the spread guys, I know you're probably wondering, this Cal team was ranked last week 15th, and the spread's 18 against Oregon. Their starting quarterback is out for the year, and when their backup quarterback came in the game, he went 5 for 13 with an interception. The backup quarterback looks terrible, and they get to go, they get to come and go into Otson Stadium in, at Oregon, which is one of the hardest places to play in the country, and try to beat an Oregon team that's out to make a statement after losing in the opening week to Auburn. I mean, it's definitely going to be a scary moment for Cal, uh, especially yeah. going up against uh, Justin Herbert, uh, one of the only quarterbacks in the nation to not throw an interception yet. Uh, this man has 14 touchdowns, no interceptions and 1,100 yards passing. I mean, those yeah. are crazy numbers. I think Herbert needs to make his Heisman statement. I think he needs to come out here and show that Oregon's a national contender, and I think he will. I think Oregon beats Cal, and I think they cover. I think they beat this team 20, 30 points. Yeah, uh, I also have them covering. Uh, that may have been a mistake by me. Uh, you know, I'll stick by it. I think Oregon covers. Um, very good Oregon team. Cal somehow slipped by going undefeated to this point. Uh, 
And that's only because they squeaked out a win against Washington, a game that they probably shouldn't have won. I mean, because in the coming weeks, we see them struggle against North Texas and Ole Miss, and then they lost to Arizona State. I'm not going to say this is a good team. <laughs> no, it's definitely not, especially without their starting quarterback. That's no, just yeah, the yeah. cold, hard truth on that one. Yeah, and but... and people are sleeping on Oregon. Uh, they're like, they lost to Auburn. They they led the entire game until seven seconds left when Bo Nix threw the winning touchdown pass. No, Oregon's a really so, good team. So this team, I think really and truly, Washington and Oregon are the Pac-12's last hope for a playoff spot, even though I don't think they get there. I, it's so tough, man. There's so many good teams above. And if you look, the SEC has four teams that can make the playoff right now. And I think three of those teams are going to be in the conversation for a playoff spot at the end of the year. And I just think the Pac-12, the strength of schedule just isn't there. And people are going to use it against Oregon that they lost to one of these SEC teams. And it's the SEC team that a lot of people aren't – like don't think is going to make it to the end in the SEC. So that just further complicates the issue. But I think Oregon makes a statement. Oregon just dominates. This game won't even be worth watching after halftime. No. Um, it's a late game. I mean, it's 7 o'clock. I would actually much rather watch Washington-Stanford. Um, that's a game that comes on a little bit later in the night. Um, but, uh, you know, anyway, let's go ahead and move on. Uh, I don't have much else to say about that game. Uh, at 6.30 on Saturday, we have number 25, Michigan State, uh, visiting number four, Ohio State. And Ohio State comes in as a 20-point favorite in this game. Oh, man, yeah. Uh, I just – I don't know how this game is even close, to be honest with you. It, I mean, it won't uh, be. It won't even uh, be a little bit close. I, I think Justin Fields continues his, you know, domination – he has, you to. know, uh, uh, he has eleven hundred yards, sixteen touchdowns. You know, uh, a twenty-point spread is a lot. I don't know if they necessarily cover because Michigan State always keeps it relatively close. I think they win by double digits, just maybe not over twenty. But right, you know, this is a chance for Ohio State to get even more respect. If people think a win over Nebraska is impressive, what are they going to think about beating a top twenty-five team in Michigan State? <laughs> That's Go ahead and crown them because that's your national champion if, if they thought that a Nebraska win was impressive. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't even know what to say, man. I, I wish this game would be closer, but I, I just I don't see it. When Michigan State co- comes in after two conference wins where they beat Indiana and Northwestern, but they still lost to Arizona State by three points where they only mustered seven points. I don't think Arizona State's defense is on the level of Ohio State, even close to it. So I just don't see how Michigan State puts up enough points to keep up with Ohio State. They won't. Um, And I agree with you when you say that uh, Michigan State probably covers this game. I think they do. Um, And it's not even that it's always a close game. I mean, I always want to look at history. um, But uh, for me, it's that their defense is only allowing 15 points a game. I understand that Ohio State's going to be the best team they face to this point, um, and they'll probably end up putting up big numbers. But, I mean, this this Michigan offense can be explosive at times. I mean, the, you see their quarterback. Uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce this guy's name. Uh, let's, go, let's go with Brian L. Uh, Brian L. has 1,300 uh, passing yards this season, 10 touchdowns. I mean, that doesn't really touch Justin Fields, 16 touchdowns and no interceptions. But – I mean, he's not a bad quarterback. No, he's not. And this Michigan State team has potential, which is why I don't think Ohio State covers. I just I just still don't think their offense is, it, is as explosive as Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins and all the weapons that Ohio State has to offer in this game. It's, it's not. And I don't really have any other thoughts on this game. Um, Ohio State wins. Uh, you know, I don't think that they cover this spread. But, you know, they're the overall better team. And it's not even an argument. I mean, you can yeah, try to argue, but – Yeah, it's not even a debate. It, it, it's really – it's not even fair. If you look at, you know, past recruiting classes and what each team has to offer, it's, it should be clear who, who, should win, who should win this game. Right. Uh, let's go ahead and continue to our last game of the night. I already mentioned it earlier. Uh, we have number 15, Washington, visiting uh, the unranked Stanford Cardinal. Um, 
Uh, this is a Stanford team that's kind of struggled this season. I mean, they're already two and three. Uh, they've dropped games to Oregon, uh, UCF, and USC. I mean, all pretty decent opponents, but um, I honestly can't see Stanford winning this game against Washington State or Washington. I can't either. Uh, I tried to think of a way that Stanford could pull this out. They can't. They can't. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they they're not going fair. to. Yeah, they're two and three this year, one and two in the conference, losses to UCF, USC, and Oregon. They've been battling just a, a rash of quarterback injuries. Uh, their starting quarterback, KJ Costello, is out again. They have, uh, at the time we were, you know, recording this, he's still listed as uh, doubtful for this weekend's game with a hand injury this time. And David Mills to backup has not been spectacular, has not even been serviceable at this point. And, you know, Stanford usually hangs her hat on having a strong running game. It's been nothing short of average, only averaging about 100, 110 yards per game. Not, not impressive at all. And I think they have to figure it out eventually. I mean, they're coming in against a pretty strong Washington defense. And – I, I don't see how they pull this one out, man. I think Washington has too much, like has too has too much talent for Stanford to overcome. Yeah, uh, I absolutely agree with you there. Um, Washington's a good team, you know. We we all saw them drop that game to Cal earlier this season, uh, you know, by by one point. But I still think this Washington team is very talented, very good. Uh, uh, we see Jacob Eason uh, coming to this game with. You know, nearly 1,300 yards passing, 10 touchdowns. Uh, Davis Mills not looking too great. You know, fewer than 600 yards passing, uh, four touchdowns and an interception. This, I don't, I don't know. Stanford Stanford needs to just hang their hats for this season. Um, look forward to next season. Maybe they can get something going. Maybe they won't be as injury-ridden. Uh, I'm not sure. I do think that – I do think that Washington covers the spread um, – you know, one of the things when I was looking at this game, uh, it's never a good look when your team allows, on average, more points than they score on average. Uh, and that's exactly what Stanford's done this season. They're allowing nearly 30 points a game, uh, and they're only scoring 20. Uh, you know, not yeah. for Stanford. And they and they come in against a Washington offense that is averaging almost 40 points per game and almost 450 yards per game. If their defense doesn't find some stops in this game, this could get extremely ugly for them. No, it's it's. I don't even see this game being good. I mean, I'm all for Pac-12 after dark. Uh, this might be one that I don't watch quite as closely. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know, man. I mean, with it being the only game, I'll probably watch it, but I don't have high hopes for this game. I don't think it's going to be a crazy shootout like Washington State. Uh, UCLA. I think Washington just comes out, shuts down Stanford's offense, and puts up uh, just enough points to win. I mean, this Washington team isn't one that runs up the score. I could see it being somewhere around 38-10, something like that. Right. All right, and that's going to wrap up our pick six segment this week. Um, you know, we'll we'll obviously in a recap episode on uh, that drops on Monday. Uh, we'll go back, touch on these games. Uh, you know, we'll 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 eat our words if we need to. Uh, and so forth. So let's continue to our upset of the week. Uh, Zach, I'll go let you get started on this one. Yeah. So, you know, I, I played around with a few games, uh, but one that really just stuck out to me as one that was just a surefire. I need to redeem myself after picking one of the worst upsets of the week last week. I have Army over Tulane this week. Okay. For my upset of the week. Uh, last time I looked, Tulane was a four-and-a-half-point favorite, I believe. And I don't know if that line is going to shift by the time this game starts. I would imagine it probably will. Uh, I think Army is extremely, extremely underrated. They were a projected top 25 team at the start of the year, and their only loss was to Michigan. And really, truly, they probably should have won that game. Uh, but to be fair, Tulane has also looked extremely good. Only losses to Auburn. Uh, you know, their offense is their strong point. But the key to this game is that is what Army is good at taking away. Army dominates time of possession. And I think Army is able to move the ball 
And especially with the triple option, they're able to run the ball, control that time of possession, win a low-scoring game by limiting Tulane's possessions and making the most out of their possessions. Right. Um, Okay. Uh, I'm not going to agree or disagree with you there. Uh, You'll hold it against me if I'm wrong. So (laughs) let's just say yes. Um, Okay. Let's go on to my upset of the week. Um, And this should come as a surprise to nobody. I have Northwestern visiting Nebraska, upsetting them at home. Uh, You know, there's a seven and a half point spread. If they don't win, they definitely cover. Um, I know we made a whole segment over that statement that I just made right there. Um, And I actually did the exact opposite of what Zach did. So Zach's trying to redeem himself and get a victory. At this point, I, you know, my upset of the week, I'm probably going to be wrong. So, I mean, I'm going to try, but there's no sense in putting uh, so much effort into it. Uh, I think Northwestern can win this game. Uh, We saw them play a very impressive game against Wisconsin last week, Uh, losing by fewer than 10 points. uh, It's a 24-15 point loss. Uh, And then we see Nebraska, who somehow edged out three teams this season. I mean, I guess the three teams they edged out were South Alabama, Northern Illinois, and Illinois. not steep competition. And then when they did play, a, you know, in, you know, a somewhat decent team in Colorado, they lost in overtime. And then they just got smacked by Ohio State last weekend. I don't know who thinks that Nebraska is still good. Um, if you still think that Nebraska is good and you listen to this podcast, send us a DM. I want to have a word with you. Um, Adrian Martinez is a bum. There's no doubt in my mind that he throws at least two interceptions this game. Um, and if he doesn't, I'll eat those words. But he will. I mean, he's, he's not great. Um, I'm not going to say that Hunter Johnson's a good quarterback uh, and that's Northwestern starting quarterback. I mean, one touchdown to four interceptions for him on the season, not necessarily a good stat line to have, but at least Northwestern actually has a running back in Drake Anderson. Uh, Adrian Martinez is the leading rusher for, uh, for the Cornhuskers. So I don't know. I mean, I'm just following my heart here. Uh, I'm not a big Nebraska guy. Anyone who listens to me knows that. I have to go with Northwestern, uh, starting with my heart on this one. And I feel like I'm, I've got this one in the bag almost. I don't know, man. I really want to fade your pick just because, don't. you know, you're trash. As a matter of fact, I go actually, ahead and fade I actually, it. I actually really like that pick. I can see it happening. But just on principle, we're going to fade that pick, guys. Nebraska wins by a million because Brandon picked against them. So take Nebraska right now. Go call your bookies. Write it down in your notebook for later on your college pick them. Nebraska is going to win this game. This is actually crazy. From, from the time that I wrote these notes a few hours ago to now, spread's moved. Uh, it was eight and a half when I looked earlier. Now it's seven and a half. That's kind of cool. Uh, Nebraska mm. sucks. Don't pick Nebraska. Uh, all right, let's move on to storylines. Uh, maybe our most, maybe our most well liked, well received uh, segment yet. Um, the people love it. We're gonna keep giving the people what they love. Yeah. So I guess I'll start this segment. Um, so Mike Leach returns to the storyline of the week segment. I feel like he's gonna. I think he should buy real estate in this segment because yeah, we're just gonna I go ahead and rename gonna... this segment to like the Mike Leach <laughs> Hour or something. Just rename yeah. the podcast. The, the Mike Leach pod, but yeah, so he is returned to my storyline of the week. Um, so in case you guys didn't hear his interview after the pretty bad loss to Utah, here it is. Shout out to Theo Lawson at the spokesman for letting us use this audio from the interview after the game. But yeah, uh, Mike Leach has some interesting thoughts, so we're gonna roll this audio. <clears throat> it's difficult to say because you saw a pretty tough football team play a very soft football team and uh you know and it's difficult to say how tough utah is because they had token resistance on both sides of the ball for us and um well we're a very soft team you know we get a lot of good press we like to read it a lot uh we like to pat ourselves on the back um you know, and if we get any resistance, we fold. And what's amazing about this is um, uh, most of these guys were on the same team last year that was a tough team. Last year's team was a tough team for us. Um, 
And uh, we got nearly the same guys, and now all of a sudden they're not tough. You know, they're fat, dumb, and happy and entitled. So Yeah, so as you guys heard, uh, I don't know I don't know if that was a – that was a smart move on Mike Leach's part. I don't know about you, Brandon. I mean, what's your opinion like on that? I like it. It's electric. I mean, that's what he is. That's his brand. <laughs> Stick by it. Never, never admit when you're wrong. I'm a big advocate of that. I like. You see, I like the sentiment. I just think that might have came off better in the locker room behind closed doors rather than to the media right after the game where it looks like he was almost blaming his players or talking out of pocket. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so I I think they could have been approached a lot better. I, I guess in a different like, he should have done it another way. In my opinion, I think he came at it wrong. I don't know. To me, Mike Leach seems like the kind of guy that I can never take seriously. Like if he were my coach, he would have no respect in my locker room. He's just one of the guys, really. Um, and so, <laughs> if I mean, if that's what he has to do, that's what he has to do. You know, if he wants to trash his players to the media. Go ahead. I mean, you're one of the bros, so I, I mean, you got to be one do. of the bros. You're one of the boys. <laughs> I guess, but I don't know. In the same, on the same token, like he's not wrong that more and more people nowadays are entitled, and they don't want to have like a hard nosed type coach in a lot of situations. So, how does this affect his recruiting? Like, I mean what does he say when a recruit comes up to him and he's like, Hey, why like, you know, and questions him on it. Zach, look, look me in the eyes and tell me that if Mike Leach recruited you to play college football for, for his program, you would not sign with that team just because Mike Leach recruited you. That would be would, incredible. That would be like my dream day. I don't know, man. Uh, I, I just have mixed feelings. I think he could have done it better. I don't I don't hate the sentiment. I mean, they did look soft. They did uh, – I don't know if they looked dumb. But it, I, anyway, I, I think it was just an emotional thing. I think he was trying to call them out. I just think he could have done a better job of it in a different way. And I, I think this goes back to – remember the term that Nick – saving coin rat poison uh i think they ate i think they ate the rat poison man they patted themselves on the back and folded under pressure uh the rat poison strikes again that that nick saban video um and, and the quotes about rat poison made me so genuinely happy uh happy when they first happened and you just reminded me of it i'm sure everyone just heard me laugh I'm overjoyed right now. Uh, I get Mike Leach and the Rat Poison uh, speech in one segment. Are you kidding me? This is the best day ever. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, I think Jalen Hurts is one of the biggest proponents of not – you know, I think, like, if I remember right, Oklahoma's Twitter account gave him a shout-out for something, and he tweeted at the Oklahoma Twitter account. It was like, Rat Poison. This league. Like, yeah, like, how do you call out your own team's – twitter account for just posting like your stats man that's like a whole new level of just savageness in my opinion yeah so that is my storyline of the week guys so we will see if mike leach returns next week but i think it was a questionable decision on his part and could have been approached a little bit different but i do appreciate the sentiment and remember never eat the rat poison never never eat the rat poison um let's go ahead and move on to my storyline of the week um in case you didn't hear College football video games are all the way back this week. We have finally got Doug Flutie's Maximum Football. Um, you know, and I'm not a super smart guy. If you've listened to any of this podcast, you've probably come to that conclusion by now. Um, and that's probably why I will be purchasing Doug Flutie's Maximum Football this week. Uh, this game was released last Friday. Um, you know, I knew when it came out and – you know, knowing me and knowing my dumb brain, I would have just purchased it impulsively. However, I did restrain <laughs> myself uh, to wait to see. Well, excuse you. Uh, I did restrain myself uh, to wait and see if the game got any good reviews. Um, it didn't. Uh, but it, that kind of makes me want to buy it even more. Uh, you know, first of all, this game isn't licensed by any NCAA schools. Uh, so they have teams that are named things like the Tuscaloosa Stampede. Uh, that's Alabama, I assume. Uh, they have the Auburn Bengals. So instead of the Auburn Tigers, they thought Bengals were <laughs> They just got, like, more specific with it. <laughs> yeah. They just, uh, have you looked through the list of these names? They're ridiculous. 
I saw I saw Southern Miss. They're like the Hattiesburg. Uh, they're the Hattiesburg something. Hawks, and that's yeah. probably my favorite one because a few years ago, uh, this is kind of a little bit side tangent in my storyline, which is already a tangent, so I don't know what you want to call this. Um, a few <laughs> years ago, uh, the University of Southern Mississippi was sued by uh, Iowa over their logo, um, saying that they infringed on their copyright. Their logos were, I guess, similar in a way. I mean, they're very easily differentiated. Uh, Southern Miss, in an effort to not be sued for millions of dollars, changed their logo now. Um, But Southern Miss in this game is the Hattiesburg Hawks, and they named Iowa the Iowa Golden Eagles. And I don't know if that had anything to do with that. (laughs) I I love it. it, I feel like it had to. Um, (laughs) Anyway, so I I guess back to my tangent. My favorite team name in this game, by the way, is the Gainesville Green. Uh, I guess that's Florida. Florida's in Gainesville, and I guess they're the green because – Gators are green. I don't know. It, it would have been, it, you know, what would have been so much better is if that? every single rival had just like the the other name. So it'd be like the Auburn Crimson Tide, yes. and like the Alabama Tigers. That's actually kind of funny that, because Pitt in this game, um, they're the Pittsburgh Mountain Lions. Which Pitt and Penn State don't get along too well, and Penn State is all. I'm, Penn State's already the Nittany Lions, which is literally a mountain lion. Uh, Mount Nittany is just just near Penn State. Um, I don't know what happened there. And then Penn State got, you know, they're like the Pennsylvania Silverbacks. I don't know how they got away with having such a cool name. Uh, How do you like a silverback, like a gorilla? Yeah, man, it's awesome. (laughs) That's that's a good name, bro. Like, like, just in Pennsylvania, there's a bunch of silverbacks running around. <laughs> no, there's never been a gorilla in anywhere in Pennsylvania. Um, you know what would be even better? Like, if if like if like Penn State like treasured that and then like got like their own like you know Mike the Tiger at LSU, they got like their own silverback. That would be well, one million times scarier than a tiger. Because yes, can you imagine putting that like in the locker room with the like? Oh away no! Team? Yeah, they just they just let a loose silverback gorilla in the locker room with the opponent's team. Yeah, I feel like there's a few things wrong with that. Uh, like them, they name him Joe. Yeah, just Joe the gorilla. You know, Joe <laughs> just ripping ripping the team's wide receivers in half. You know what's the worst part, man? Was that? that if they named it Joe, it would be the second worst thing a Joe has done at Penn State. <laughs> We've made way too many Penn State jokes during our storylines. Um, I'm going to keep going. We're going to get in trouble or something. I don't know how. Um, but one cool thing about this game is that uh, every team's fully customizable, which I guess technically means that you could rename these teams to their actual names. So I guess instead of the Auburn Bengals, you could have the Auburn Tigers. I don't know. Um, now, this game was created by just three people, and boy, can you tell it was made by only three people. <laughs> dude, uh, it looks like someone took a coloring book and animated it. Dude, these, these graphics are uh, like reminiscent of NCAA football 03. Um, dude, and, I'd, say like, I'd say like Madden like 1998 or something like it's that. It's so bad. It looks like, in like a legitimate computer game, like, like a PC yeah. game from when we were kids. Like we're just sitting there playing Pajama Sam, and then all of a sudden it's a football game. Uh, there's like four pixels in this whole game. Uh, <laughs> God. Yeah, so uh, I guess the selling point for this game, at least in my opinion, is that it's only $30, and that's a steal in my book. Uh, so I don't care how many negative reviews there are for this game. I don't care if the gameplay is super difficult, and I don't even care if the NCAA is probably going to sue everyone who purchases a copy of this game. Um I've had an itch to play a college football game for five years now, and nothing's going to get in the way of my destiny. Uh, and, and, and the best part is, like, they're advertising it as, hey, if you buy this crappy game, it will, give, it will give us money to build the game better. So I guess if you guys want a better college football game, go out and buy this one, swallow the $30, that way they can upgrade the graphics and you guys can get a real football game. <laughs> it's it's going to be awesome. Uh, I mean, it's already kind of awesome. The best part about this game was that, you know, they were supposed to release it on Friday at midnight. So this was like Christmas morning to me. I woke up on Friday and the first thing I went down, I went down to play my PlayStation, went to the PlayStation network, uh, tried to buy the game and it was nowhere to be found. So I Googled it. Um, Turns out the game was immediately available in the United Kingdom and Australia, which I don't know who's buying that game there. 
but they were still working on releasing it in the United States. So I sat there and waited and it finally got released on Saturday. Um, big fan of that. Uh, and, and just to, you know, to be transparent, we are not sponsored by Doug Flutie's maximum football. We should be though. I think we should be. I mean, we'd be the best spokespeople possible and our compensation I just think we both need a copy of this game. I mean, that's all I'll take. You know, I don't even want to get paid. I just want a copy of the game. So, so if anyone could reach out to Doug Flutie, I mean, we'll take advertisements. I'm sure you guys wouldn't mind listening to like a brief advertisement for Doug Flutie's <laughs> did, maximum football, I guess. Did Doug Flutie have anything to do with this game or do they just name it after him? Because I feel like they could have named it after somebody else for sure. I mean, I think he donated money, right? I – I think uh, he he had to. <laughs> like, there's no way that they were just. I would hope. I would hope they just weren't just like, yeah, Doug Flutie works. I guess. <laughs> Doug, yeah, it's just they were in a boardroom with people who've never watched college football or people who haven't watched college football in 30 years, and they're like, well, who's a college football player we could choose? Uh, Doug Flutie, and that's what they landed on. That's that's how I like to think it happened. So that's gonna wrap up our storylines this week. Um, I love this segment. It's my favorite segment. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to our next segment. Uh, we have Brandon's Gambling Corner, and man, oh, man, if you like storylines of the week, you're going to love this segment. Uh, let's go ahead and get this one started up. Cue the music. Love this music. Can't get enough of it. Uh, my first pick this week, I'm choosing Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's an underdog going in to Oxford, Mississippi this weekend. Uh, they're playing Ole Miss. Oxford's plus – I'm sorry – Vanderbilt is plus 235 on the money line. If you don't take this bet, you're a sucker. This is easy money. You want to get paid, right? Go ahead and take this. I mean, Vanderbilt's a good team. Ole Miss is trash. Uh, with my second pick, this isn't even a game. It's just something I saw today. Trevor Lawrence is now 75-1 to to win the Heisman Trophy. He came into this season a 2-1 to favorite to win the Heisman. He has since moved to 75-1. to Admittedly, he hasn't looked great. But watch for that bounce back. I'm not saying bet the house on this, but if you bet $10 on this right now that he will win the Heisman and he does, you win $750 if he gets it done this year. Uh, climb out of that gambling hole you're in. Bet on Trevor Lawrence. Whatever amount you're down, I mean, bet that much. I mean, if you're down $1,500, bet $20 on this. It's got it. I mean, it's not a lock by any means, but it can sure help. <laughs> yeah, guys, so for my picks... Texas over West Virginia. Texas is an 11.5 point favorite. Take Texas. Even giving up those points, they're going to slaughter West Virginia. They're trash, garbage, you know, dumpster fire. Texas over West Virginia all day, every day. All Get day. Your money. Twice on Saturday. All about the, it's all about that green, man. Uh, North Carolina over, <laughs> North Carolina over Georgia Tech. North Carolina is a 10.5 point favorite. If it was a hundred and a half point favorite, North Carolina over Georgia Tech. We've just talked about last episode. Georgia Tech is garbage. They are booty. Do not do booty. it. If you need, <laughs> if, if you need to, if you need to get your side hoe a new purse, take North Carolina over Georgia Tech. Even giving up ten and a half points, go make that money. Make that money. And our chase game of the week. This is everybody's favorite pick. I have Boise State beating UNLV outright. This game's at 10.30 p.m. What else do you have to do at 10.30 p.m.? It's college football Saturday. Boise State it is minus 1,600 on this game. Those are insane numbers. You have to bet $1,600 to win 100. Who cares? Win at least one matchup this weekend. Don't be a bum. This is my stamp it guarantee game of the week. Boise State over UNLV. UNLV, who even are they? All right, and that was Brandon's Gambling Corner, uh, quite the electric segment. Um, and that's actually going to wrap up our episode this week. Uh, this was a little bit of a shorter episode. Um, we did a lot of time for a new segment to be put in that we just never put in because we're, we're trying to be creative and we're like maxed out at the moment. <laughs> yeah, we have some new sets. We have a new segment or two coming up on our preview episode. Oh yeah, we've already week. discussed this. Yeah, so like preview episode set. We're gonna be thinking this week um, about some new segments to you know give you guys regarding you know the you know these episodes uh, and you know we always try to offer you guys more content. You know we've discussed some ideas about how to 
you know, make these episodes more enjoyable and how to lay it out and make it more, I guess, listenable. Um, shout out to you guys, man. Uh, we gain listeners every episode, gain followers on Instagram every day, Facebook likes, Twitter followers. Um, you guys are like, you guys are the best, I guess, listeners and followers out there. And um, in case you don't know, go follow us on Instagram. It is at the underscore blue bloods. We post on there every single day, man. And, you know, we're getting close to a hundred followers on there. So shout out to you guys, please go follow us, you know, interact with our posts. We're going to try to start, you know, if we get to enough followers that interact with the thing, we're going to do some cool interactive stuff with our Twitter, our Instagram and Facebook on Twitter. As you guys all know, we have a long rivalry with the calculus account until that. Yeah. Until that's figured out, it is at the underscore underscore blue bloods. Um, You know, we post, we post on there, you know, just as much as the Instagram. Uh, We have a lot of cool stuff coming up that we're planning on posting and everything like that. And then our Facebook page, if you want to go follow that, where we also post a good bit of stuff, it is at the Blue Bloods Pod. Um, we post a lot of cool stuff on there as well, including notifications about you know new episodes, our pick them records. There's a link that uh, you can click on to go to our Apple Podcast page, our Spotify page, so on and so forth. Um, you guys have been awesome on there as well. We're still working on the website, which we mentioned last episode. That is hopefully going to be up by the time our our recap episode of this these this week's games are up that way we can plug that and you guys can go check out all our episodes and all the announcements and then hopefully we'll get on some merch we're gonna get merch launched before the end of the season so do not worry and you know just keep being awesome listeners and we'll keep bringing you guys better and better content yeah we promise we've got new segments lined up um we just couldn't get it done for this episode and you know we apologize for that of course uh, thanks. Thanks to everybody for listening. Make sure you uh, keep listening. Uh, keep subscribing. Give us a five star rating if you love it. If you hate it, also give us a five star rating. We don't really care if you like it or love it. Um, no, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. Of course, we're, we're, we're going to try to do the, uh, our best to create the best content for you guys. Um, but I think that's a wrap. Mm-hmm.